Podcast presents The Fly, 1958. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsplantation.com and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. We, uh, we've had some absence on the show. Uh, we didn't even get to finish our Christmas episodes for the uh, Festivus series. Uh, no, we did not. Unfortunately, uh, I wasn't available. I had twins. So during that time frame, uh, my wife was delivering and we were figuring all of that out. So it's been a busy couple of weeks, three weeks, I think, since we've been podcasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, like we did try, we tried to get to see Black Christmas, uh, except for the fact that by the time we were able to go see the film at our local theater, it was only at a 945 showing any day that you every day was and not like just like a weekday or something like that. Every day was a 945 showing. Uh, so there just wasn't really a chance for us to go see Black Christmas. I tried to. I also tried to pirate it, uh, but it, all they had were handheld camera uh, footage. Say, so it'll be out on Blu-ray. Like yeah, it'll month. come out, and then we'll do it at some point. Um, so apologies to everyone listening who is expecting a Black Christmas episode or uh, the, us to finish the Festivus series. Um, we only got to three episodes this year, but uh, you know what? It is what it is. Um, we're going to move on from Festivus, obviously. We're not <laughs> not going to try to finish that up now that we're into January. Um, we're also going to do maybe like a, a New Year's special, and we didn't get a chance to do that either. So. We're going to do New Year's Evil again. Uh, no, we're not doing it now, but I said we could do like uh, Trading Places or something like that, which is sort of a Christmas and New Year's movie. Um, we didn't get a chance to do that, but uh, you know what? That's That's for another year. We'll save it. Um, Put it in the back pocket. Yeah. And then I was sick for a little while, too. So I wasn't in my right voice to do a podcast. Uh, so, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy few weeks, uh, past month. Um, but we're back and uh, hoping to get into 2020 with a bang. Um, we weren't sure what to do for this episode, actually, since we kind of uh, got caught off guard and we didn't get a chance to finish anything else or discuss what we we're going to do. Honestly, um, I wasn't expecting us to do another episode, maybe until like February. Yeah, you thought I was going to be down and out for that long? Nah, <laughs> I'm back. It's fine. Screw, uh, screw the kids. I've got time. I've got time. <laughs> um, we definitely have time. And you know what? I'm just uh, I know, for, you, I'm just you, doing the things that it, they normally did in the 60s and 70s. Listen, you know, the woman has the kids. Listen, what do just, I got to do? Listen, just thank New York State that you now get a... Uh, you know, a lot bigger parental leave. Yeah, without without pay, really, but it, it is what it is. I mean, at least you're getting it. Yeah, yeah, no, it is what it is. two years, you wouldn't get anything. It's anything. great. I don't even know what day it is today. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea what day it is. I get up at, like, 10 o'clock now because you're up at all hours of the night. It's like all my time is shifted. I don't I don't really know what time, what day it is. Um, But I know it's podcast day. <laughs> And uh, like I said, we weren't sure what we were going to do for this episode. We didn't really have a plan. And I mentioned, you know what? Scream Factory had just released a fly collection on Blu-ray, and I have it. So why not do Cronenberg's uh, The Fly? And then Martin kindly pointed out to me that we had already done it. <laughs> totally <laughs> forgot. Uh, we did it, you know, ba- way back, actually. Like three probably, years ago. Yeah, three years ago we did it when we did the Jeff Goldblum month. You know, I, I, I was telling you, I was thinking about being like an asshole and be like, yeah, let's do it. And then like get halfway through the episode yeah. and be like, it's Groundhog's Day I, Surprise. I, I completely <laughs> forgot. I, 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 I didn't even remember that we did it at all. So 
I was like, let's do, you know, let's do Cronenberg's The Fly. And then when that was a bust, I was like, well, maybe we should just do the regular Well, you fly, said The but... Fly, and I was like, yeah, right, the OG one. You're like, I don't know, we can do that one, Cronenberg's. Yeah. Yeah, my intention was to do Cronenberg's, and then, yeah, he already did. So, uh, so yeah, instead, um, we were we decided we we're going to do the the original fly, the fly from 1958 with Vincent because Price. We loved nothing more than doing originals and then the remake. That's true. We do that a lot. Very strong motif on the show. Yeah, we've already done a Vincent Price original. Yes. House on Haunted Hill. In the remake and the remake for remake a ween. Um. So yeah, it was like perfect. Let's just do the original fly. Um. Something interesting, and and actually, we haven't really done a older classic movie in a while, so it was perfect timing. Um, start twenty twenty off with a classic film, um, and also I said, you know what, I've got some anecdotes to throw out there for this episode. I, you know, what? I have stuff that I can talk about without even touching on the movie. Um, and, and sometimes, like, you get a, a movie where you've never seen it before, so there's just no anecdotes. You don't have anything to go with. You can't say like, you know. Watch this, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. This one, I can say. I watched this one about 20 years ago. Uh, I was at my grandmother's house. I was spending the night. And you know how grandmothers are. They let you stay up late. Got to stay up late. Uh, I was watching AMC. And AMC was, at, at that time, I think playing, uh, they were either playing classic horror movies on Friday nights or they were playing just horror movies on Friday nights on their, like, Fear Friday block. Um, and so I was able, so I, I stayed up and I was watching that that block and the, the original fly was on. Uh, so I remember pretty distinctly, um, because I, I distinctly remember the ending of the film, the, the film where, or the part where you see, um, our scientist who had his head is on a fly's body being eaten by a spider. And that, uh, still stands out to me as being like one of those moments that I just remember from the film. I don't, I don't know that I was scared of it per se, but I just remember thinking like, wow, that's weird. That's a, you know, it's a cool image of a man's head on a fly's body being devoured by a spider and no one really seems everybody's like nonplussed about it. They're like, Hmm, that spider's going to eat that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we should do something, but shocked more than anything. Um, so that, that is my story of the fly. I had seen it before one time and that's really the only time that I've ever seen it. Um, and like I said, when I, we were starting this film, I never, I guess I didn't realize that the fly, the original fly was in color. Um, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it too. I was like, I don't know. I kind of do remember it being black and white. I, I, I almost remember watching this film in black and white. I don't know if that it was ever released in black and white, but I think it might just be because like you, when you think Vincent Price films, you think of, you know, I guess so. I have like this vision in my head though, of the, of that ending taking place in black and white. Well, the same thing too, because it's been probably like 20 years since I've seen it too. I've only seen it once or twice. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen Cronenberg's fly a lot more. Um, like, I have a distinct, like, this film says the story of Vincent Price. Yeah. It's not. Not really. No, he's, like, a supporting yeah. character. Yeah. I always, like, and actually remembering, before watching this again, thinking back on it, I, I feel like I misremembered that Vincent Price was, like, the scientist guy. Yeah. That's which doesn't make sense to me now because I'm thinking, well, Vincent Price is the one that sees the fly at the end of the film, so that should have stood out to me. But still, I remember, I feel like I misremembered Vincent Price being the main scientist yeah. in this film. So it's weird how that happens, and you remember no, misremember I things. I agree. Like, yeah. you think like, oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Like- I, I still though, I have like this very vivid picture of that last scene taking place in black and white. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. I, maybe it was. Maybe sometimes they did. It was in black and white. Um, 
This version, obviously, maybe your grandma just had a black and white TV. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the, this version, the Scream Factory has released, which is actually a uh, uh, 20th Century Fox picture, anyway, that they had released previously. Uh, it's in it's in color, uh, done by Deluxe and Deluxe. <laughs> which, by the way, as I've said a billion times on this podcast, when reviewing older films, I love when they bring up like brought in to you by. Technicolor, yeah. or, you know, CinemaScope. The, yeah, this know. one is deluxe, and I don't know that I've seen that specific uh, company of color work before. Yeah, I no. That doesn't really ring a well, bell. Well, that's, like, the fun part, seeing, like, when it's not shot in Technicolor, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. when, like, they, because they, like, Technicolor at that point practically had a monopoly on, like, sure. you know, color and film. Yeah. But you'd see, like, other technologies come out and stuff to, yeah. like, you know. Yeah, you'd see a little bit. Mostly yeah. Technicolor. This one, actually, the color, though, you can tell that it's not Technicolor. It doesn't have the vibrancy. It has more, like, of a reddish-pink hue throughout. Uh, rather than the vibrancy of the Technicolor color that you would yeah, where everything associate with. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I still have somewhat of a cough here, so might be hacking on the show. It's all right. I've been battling a sore throat. I can't tell if it's from either being sick or blowing my lungs yeah. out watching <laughs> it's, the Bills playoff game or a mixture of both. It's so, going yeah. around. That's that's for sure. Uh, so, yeah, the, the the fly, interesting that we misremember it. Certainly a classic in a lot of sense. Um the other thing is that it really, besides the uh, the idea behind the film, it doesn't have that much in common with Cronenberg's The Fly. No. Cronenberg takes it in a very different direction in terms of uh, not only, like, the idea of, like, the science behind it, but also the um, the setup of the film, which has a, di- a, a different plot progression than this fly. Um, this fly, as we'll talk about, has more of the um, older-fashioned method of uh, start the film at the end, and then have a character tell the story of what happened. Kind of uh, like it's like um, if you weren't going into it thinking it was a science fiction film, you'd kind of think it was like a pulp uh, noir film. Yeah, it does have that. I, like with the way like the storytelling is of like it seems like a murder mystery, you know. Yeah. Or if we ventured down a little south into Italy, someone just all of a sudden a man with a straight razor shows up. Yeah. This one definitely has that technique down where it's like um, – you know, have a character tell the story to give the the viewer the rest of it, and it ha- even has the uh, sort of like dreamlike uh, whatever. There's like waveforms yeah. that it plays when you're uh, going back in time to represent uh, the the story that she the she, the character is telling. Um, so it has that going for it, which is a sort of a different plot point from Cronenberg's The Fly, uh, but somewhat common for for films of this time frame um to go back in time like that um all right let's take a break from the the film itself to quickly talk about the beer that we've got on the show today we finally got something new we've got something new and it was it was meant to be for the christmas show (laughs) um but since we're not doing any more christmas shows i just i'm not going to save it for next year that's just ridiculous so we might as well do it now i spent like 15 dollars on a bottle so i'm not gonna you know waste it or not do it on the show um, but what we have today is Rogue's uh, 2019 Santa's Private Reserve, which uh, is a beer that they do every year for Christmas time, and they always change out the the type, the style of the beer that they do for this Private Reserve. Um, I know that at one year it was like an IPA, which I remember because I got, I think it probably was two or three years ago now. Um, this year, 
which I th- I found was really interesting. They did a dark ale brewed with candy cap mushrooms. I've never had a mushroom beer before. Um, don't think they're that common, to be honest with you. Uh, well, unless- who sits down and goes, hey, you know, that would go great with this beer. Fungus. Yeah. Mushrooms. And the only time I can really see them using mushrooms is in a darker style beer, like a stout porter, something like that, where you can mask the meatier flavor of a mushroom with other elements. Um, so I found that interesting. I'm not a fan of mushrooms. I'll say that right now. I, I don't really like eating mushrooms. Um, they're not my thing. Uh, one of the things that I don't like about them is the uh, Spon- the the spongy. feel of them. Yeah, yeah, the mouth feel. It's a it's the same thing for me. It's not really a taste thing for me. It's a, it's a texture. It's a texture. Yeah, it's a though. It is, feels very spongy, and I don't I don't really like that. Uh, it's just something not something that's ever really appealed to me. I can eat them on like pizza. It's yeah, fine. Those, those get lost. I say those mushrooms don't even like count that. Yeah, they just kind of get lost on the pizza because they're just like so rubbery. Like yeah, you know whatever. Like, you know, flubber on your pizza. But like uh, an actual raw mushroom on my salad. Fuck no. Don't put those on there. Or like, how about Picking we get, get a steak and you're like, I want slathered. Absolutely in, not. Yeah. Slathered in onions and they slather in mushrooms. Absolutely not. No. See, that's like one instance. As, as, as you know, I never like correct if like an order. Like if they if I get my order wrong. Yep. I don't ever correct it. That would be like one of the few, very few instances if I ordered a steak and I wanted like, like, and they were like, oh, we can do like onions or mushrooms on it. I'd be like, yeah, well, give me the onions. And if they came out with the mushrooms, I'd be like, throw that away. Yep. Get that. Get I that. agree. I agree. I wouldn't take it either. Uh, so this one, I, I and I'll be honest with you too, I don't even know what a candy cap mushroom is. I've never really encountered that where, in the wild. Where they're indigenous to? I have no idea. I don't remember picking them in Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, so Rogue is really going out of the way here to try something different, um, and which I, I don't mind because, you know, if you're going to do a different t- style of beer for the Santa's Private Reserve every year, you want to be a little experimental with it. Um, Would you have taken this or another, like, we're half-assed trying Nipah IPA for the No, nah, yeah, I would rather them do something like this where they're really going outside the box rather than saying, like, well, we uh, <laughs> tweaked the hop balance in this, uh, in our other Nipah, and we're, you know, here's this one. It's just a little bit different. Um, so I'd rather have this uh, for sure. Um, this one is on the expensive side. It's like eleven ninety nine a bottle. You know, then you got like sales tax and bottle tax and shit like that. 22 ounces, yeah. Yeah, for 22 <laughs> ounces. So it's it's a pretty expensive beer. Um, but not I was as interested as the, uh, Not as much expensive as the Goose Island from last time. No, not as expensive as that, but, but certainly up there. Um, so this beer is... The I guess the the standout feature is that it's a dark ale, and we've had dark ales and strong ales on the show before. Uh, we've had a strong ale from Browns Brewing, which is a local brewery in Troy, um, that we tried, and that was like our first experience with a strong ale. And the thing that we found out was that we don't really like strong ales that much. Strong ales are, um, which we should have known better, because our one our one friend Hody, which is uh, who usually procures these odd trinkets of. Beverages. Yeah. He likes the he's the idiot asshole who's like, I love Imperial Stouts. Right, yeah, he likes it, to go like to the know. extreme of the stouting. Or, you know, same thing like, oh, I love dried fruits with my beer. Yeah. You know, he's 30 years old, but he still likes to go down the fountain and put every single flavor in <laughs> and mix it, make yeah. his own concoction. He's almost 31 now, actually, which is <laughs> just sad. This <laughs> is fucking 31 already. Um in this case. So it's a dark ale. It's not a strong ale. 
that it's a dark ale, which means that it's uh, um, sort of on the it's got a molassesy flavor to it. It's um, fairly malty. Um, it's got a high alcohol content at uh, I think it's like eight point one in this one, um, and then the IBUs are fairly low at twenty. Um, so not not a lot of hops in this one. Um, what you mainly get is a malty, uh, sweet, molassesy sort of mapley flavor to it. That um, I guess the maple flavor comes particularly from the candy cap mushrooms, which they say is sort of like the flavor that those candy cap mushrooms are supposed to give off is like a mapley flavor to them. Um, I guess that's part of the flavor profile of a of a mushroom of that candy cap mushroom. That it just seems like the worst like thing in the world. Oh, just like the idea of like, like sitting down, like eating a like chewy mushroom, like mm, maple. You know what I want to do? I want to put that on my pancakes. Yeah, like, ugh. yeah. I yeah. I just I guess I would like to just try a little piece of a candy cap mushroom and see if that's really how it tastes. Is like, is it just tastes like a maple mushroom? I don't know. Um, in this case, that's what you get though. You don't really get a mushroom flavor. Like, there's nothing that stands out, and you're like, ooh, mushrooms. Um, I wouldn't say that that's like part of the flavor profile. I will say too, with the bo- the bottle, they prominently have Santa riding a shit ton of these giant mushrooms. It's like a psychedelic. Like you're bottle. going to, going to a fucking Almond Brothers concert. Yeah. Um, I would say not a smart choice for advertising <laughs> because if I were to look at that and I would just like take like a very quick look at it, I'd be like oh fuck that no mushrooms oh no mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I, so I'll say that I like this. I, I think it's it's fine. I wouldn't go out of my way to get this again. I wouldn't like, I don't know. It's not anything that I would be interested in getting at a bar or like on draft or anything like that. Um, I'm glad I tried it. It's just not a flavor that appeals to me enough where I would want to, you know, go out of my way and get it again or spend the money on getting it uh, since it's fairly expensive. Um, again, with the dark ale, you tend like a strong ale, you sort of get some of those, um, raisiny dried fruit flavors to it as well. Um, which are not my favorite. I don't love dried fruit. Um, at least in my beer craisins. Sure. Put them in there, (laughs) but raisins and other dried fruit, like prunes and stuff like that. Mm, Not a huge fan. One thing that the bottle does mention though is that you should pair Santa's Private Reserve 2019 with bacon-wrapped dates. Mmm, bacon-wrapped dates. It just sounds awesome. Have you ever had a bacon-wrapped date? I've never had a date before in my life because I just don't. No. I've never had one either, and I don't know that I've ever had the uh, opportunity to have a bacon-wrapped date. I don't know. You know what? The only time you're going to get that is like when you go to Nakatomi Plaza for the uh, <laughs> the Christmas party. They got bacon-wrapped dates what there. A- Bougie, like just <laughs> yeah, treat yeah. that sound. How would you like a bacon wrap date? Well, it's kind of funny because they list that as like the bougie treat, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, also f- f- fried chicken waffles, <laughs> and then and Christmas, Christmas cookies." Yeah, what kind of Christmas cookie? The sugar cookie with the frosting. Thinking gingerbread, gingerbread, yeah, snickerdoodle, or snickerdoodle, snickerdoodle probably be okay too. Yeah, no. so it's weird. They give a really weird uh, food pairing for this. I don't, you know. Just, I don't know. Maybe one of these days we'll have to try like a bacon wrap date and see like, ooh, the, the savoriness of the bacon and saltiness pairs well with the. And you know what? You know what? Then you got to get another bottle of this and try it out. Like, you know what? 
We made fun of them, but Rogue was right. <laughs> it's perfect. It's just uh it just get that just gets my blood boiling just thinking about it. That's one thing that we just should do. Yeah, just we should do to change up the show now that we've done do so many yeah, so many beers now. And like we're gonna start doing food pairings with it. Just so, random things like um Santa's private reserve and a tuna. So, <laughs> a tuna steak. <laughs> so how would you come uh we'll, we'll we'll pair this then with what we had for dinner tonight. How would you pair this with your general salads and pork fried rice? Actually, to be honest and with my you, garlic chicken. I feel like this would actually go pretty well with general salads because the general salads that I had tonight was fairly spicy. And the beer that I had with it, which was the uh, Founders Brew IPA was just heightening that spice. It I'm was really sure. giving me some fire, yeah. yeah, fiery tongue and indigestion. Yeah, no, it was um, wasn't it? The garlic chickens usually got like some spice to it, but not super spicy. But as soon as I was taking sips of that brewed IPA, like it was making like yeah. the back of my throat. That, like I, I tend to find that IPAs because of the hop content, they tight tend to heighten a spice flavor. So I think something like this, a dark ale, would be sort of like your milk that would kind of wash your palate out. Um, so it probably would go pretty well, actually, I would say. Um, I don't know about maple general sounds, but it's kind of weird. But it probably would be better than the brew IPA that we had. Which, Before you know, know it, over time, the show, we're just going to stop reviewing movies and it's going to be like culinary, to culinary arts. Like, yeah. Today, today we're doing uh, – If people would send us packs of beer, then we'd just do that. Just send us, just send us all your local beers, and all we'll right, do today that. Today we got instead. some lovely cuts of bison from. Ooh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah send us, send us some r- random meats. Well, we're gonna have to start getting, uh, get ourselves a sponsorship from Omaha Steaks. There you go. Yeah, you go Omaha Steaks. I want so I want get a sponsorship on that from Steakums. That's <laughs> probably pretty easy to get, I would think. Don't like steakums. Steakums. That's the every man's Philly sandwich. Hungry man. <laughs> Hungry man TV dinners. <laughs> Still not enough for me. I need two of them. Really? They're like two pound boxes. No, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I actually haven't had a hungry man in forever. Neither have I. I have a like wife it. now. <laughs> I don't need that shit. She makes me dinner. <laughs> All right, back to uh, back to um, the film, The Fly, nineteen fifty eight. Oh, not Cronenberg's. Not Cronenberg's. Mm. We already did that one. You can go listen to that. That was like episode eighty six. I made that number up, but it was somewhere <laughs> around somewhere around there. Um, so The Fly, nineteen fifty eight. Like we said, is in color. It's um, it's it's a film that I. F- actually was surprised about that it, it does open up with like the ending basically the conclusion of the film the murder itself uh at the beginning of the film and the murder is pretty gruesome uh for a 1958 film it's kind of, kind of surprising because it's not a hammer film yeah right so right. like that you know it yeah i mean it's it's uh on the earlier side of like films that would have been more grisly uh for sure and it has that that uh, first look at the um, press, it's a, it's like a hydraulic press that has a body smushed underneath it. And it's With uh, blood splatter. All yeah, out of, yeah blood's all out. And it's um, the hydraulic press is meant to press 50 tons. And it's Which pressed. is kind of surprising that it didn't, you know, push all his fucking innards and, sh- you know. 
Yeah, right out his ass. The gore is not super realistic because there would probably be nothing left. They probably should have had Vincent Price bring that up. Like, you know, it's designed to piss 50 tons down, you know? Yeah. 50 tons of force. Just the hydraulic press alone is sort of overkill. Which I don't understand. So what's that press even used for? At first pressing I thought, metal. Because like said. at first I thought I was like, what is he like a newspaper man? Like, yeah, I got these bring the uh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> run the presses. No, no, I think it's uh, he said something about pressing metal and that if they he had they had it set the setting to press directly to the 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 whatever they call it, the, the bottom slab. Mm-hmm. And he said that if they were pressed that much, it would completely um I don't know, disintegrate well, I know, the I know, metal like that they have pressing. like it, they own like an electronics uh yeah. Factory. But I mean, like, just like from the way the setup is, like, the factory one looks so small. Like, it's just basically one press, and that's like, yeah. So, like, what are you doing? I don't know. I, don't know. I think um, it's meant to press metal, whatever. They don't really go into it, but it's meant to press metal. Um, and so, the question that the film starts with is, like, who murdered this guy? Who, who murdered the, this uh, prominent scientist, um, Andre? And so a scientist and also brother of Vincent Price. Francois. Um, yeah, Francois. And <laughs> the, the other thing is that's kind of weird about this film, this American film, is that it takes place in Montreal. Which at first I thought it was like in just regular gay Paris, you know. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. They didn't, they didn't, men- they didn't exactly mention. Yeah. I thought when like they were talking, like doing that whole talking about like watching, t- you know, and it, no one would believe that 40 years ago you could be watch- sitting in Montreal and watch the World Series, you know. But we got TV now. I don't particularly know why it was set in Montreal. Maybe that's what the short story was? I guess. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It, there's no real you know, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's just that for American audiences watching, and everybody's got French names like Helene and Philippe. So Francois. funny. Like, like, it is funny that like, you couldn't, couldn't bother to change the name to Helen and Frank and yeah, Philip. Philip. And Poor uh, Emma. Yeah. Got a regular name. Regular name. Yeah, well, that's because she's not foreign. Or she is foreign, I mean. She's American. Must be. Yeah, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't really get the Montreal setting, but they don't really go into it. I guess it doesn't matter. I was also thinking it was like in France too, because when the inspectors pulled up, they had the European sirens. Mm. And I don't think in Canada they do. Do they have like the, you know? I don't know. Maybe in Montreal they do. Huh? Which I, which I, I, I do, I do prefer that siren over the American. Mm. You know, Ooh. I like yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's classy. Yeah. So we have a different podcast for that. It's called. Uh, mm-hmm. Claxons. Know your sirens. Yeah. Know your klaxon. Um, Just word of the day. Yeah, klaxon. Way to start 2020. That's right. Breaking it out. <laughs> um, so Vincent Price is roped into this as an inspector who goes and checks no, out. Well, he's not an inspector. They call him inspector. Don't they call him like an inspector though? Francois? Yeah. No, no, no. He's He and Andre are co-owners of the... I thought they were calling him inspector at one point, though. No, he's not. He was calling the inspector. It must be he was calling the inspector. I thought they were calling him inspector. No, with that fortune, because he's like, I have so much money. Yeah, yeah, I know. And his fancy cigar jackets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's dressed to the nines. He's like, Helen, it's it's past midnight. I'm terribly tired as he's dressed in this... Lovely silk cigar, you know, smoking jacket, jacket and tie. Like, what do you mean? It's midnight. You're still dressed like with like cufflinks and everything. Yeah. Like, oh, when I go to bed, I have to make sure that 
You know, it looked look dashing and dapper. You never know when you're going to die in your sleep and yeah. you have to, like, no one's going to change you. So you're Before just you like, go to bed, like, bury him in that. You're like, is my handkerchief properly tucked? <laughs> okay, good. You wake up and you're mortified to find that, well, your that way, if you're just disheveled. If you're, if you're dressed nice, that way if you do die in your sleep, you don't have to go through the indignity of being stripped. You're already dressed nice. So they're like, no one's going to see my ball sack. No one's going to see your small pee-pee. Yeah. No. That's a no-no in the 50s, you know. No autopsy. <laughs> Nothing, just, uh, he's good to go. No one will know I'm missing a testicle. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Vincent Price was. He's all man in this. His <laughs> nice, his quaffed tes- mustache. His testicles is always, have always been stored up in the mustache. That's right. You know, uh, in The Fly, Vincent Price really gets a chance to be, like, sort of a straight man in this one. He's not, uh... You know, he's not a, a sinister character, um, more so on the outskirts of the film's plot, because he doesn't have a whole lot to do throughout uh, the middle portion of the movie. No, it's mainly the first quarter, uh, first quarter and like the last yeah. tenth he's around. Which is, it's kind of interesting to see him, because I feel like The Fly is not his best portrayal of acting in this film, um, because a lot of times he's meant to act surprised and like sort of astonished, and he doesn't. I don't feel like that comes across as well in this movie. I think I think it has more to do with just the <clears throat> excuse me uh, the era because like there's like little lines like in between like like dialogue sections between like him and like the inspector or, like just other characters in general. And it's that very fifties noir style, like mm. you know, of like at first I thought you were the killer, Francois. No, I was not the killer. How could I be the killer? Do you love her? Yes, I do madly love her. I knew you loved her. Yeah. Yes. So I thought you were a killer. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I never would do such a thing to my brother. Why? Because she only loved him and not me. Never recognized me. I know. It's just like, you know, that very quick, you know, I, like, I, I think it's, I guess, you, you know, depending on your take, you would say, yeah, that's not great acting. But again, that's kind of just like more, you know par for the course because andre speaks like that the entire time too you know it's true yeah they all like have that I, same kind of straight quick cadence of like you know I'm, I'm pinpointing the uh the beginning of the film where he's looking at the hydraulic press he's supposed to be sort of like ast- aghast at seeing his brother on the hydraulic press and i just feel like his reactions aren't great to that well because you have helen to be constantly throughout the film fainting and being mortified of like, the female ah! hysteria. Just, well, yeah, with the, the vapors 50s. and all. Just ah! Yeah. Yeah, Helene is uh is definitely a stereotypical woman of the 50s. Um like it's really funny when she's telling the story um with her and Andre in this and he's in the lab and he's really he's 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 like really excited about his uh teleportation device. And he's showing her, and it doesn't work correctly. And the the bowl that he tra- teleports set, has made in Japan backwards on it. Uh, and then he sets to work again, and she's just standing there like Andre, Andre, and he's totally ignoring her. It was like fuck off, Helene. I'm working. You need to go and have Emma make the dinner or whatever you do. You know, go go. You know, deal with Philippe again because he's being a little shit. Yeah, he's being a little shit out there. Um, that's pretty funny. Like there are a, a few of those scenes where you definitely feel the 50 stereotype like of like cold, what women like, should be. Yeah. <laughs> just like the overall coldness. Of, yeah. Like, same thing. Like when like afterwards, you know, she's like, Oh, Andre, all these tech, all this technology 
TVs, rockets, radios, <laughs> Earth satellites. It's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. Everything's going so fast. Women which, have peanut which, brains. Which I can, I, to be fair, not just her, but I can, like, if you were somebody who's, like, growing up through, like, the 40s and the 50s mm-hmm. and all of a sudden. That all, would be pretty surprising. But at the same time, if you think about it, it's been 20 years since 2000. We've gone from 56K modem to, you can, you know. Yeah. Storing shit on a floppy disk that's, you know, like holding kilobytes to, if you don't have, like, a computer that's got, like, two terabytes now, you're like, what are you, stupid? Yeah. Um, well, the film does that, like, throughout, too, like, especially with the uh, other characters for Helene. Like, uh, they're like, at the beginning, they don't believe that Helene could have committed the murder because they're like, she doesn't know how to work this press. Are you and, kidding and me? She's a woman. A woman really? knows how to work a press? No way. <laughs> she couldn't have done it. Um, so yeah, just they, the film does have some of those things where it's just like women, <laughs> they do things, <laughs> but just all having a nice laugh about it. <laughs> yeah. Also that. And then what would have been funny at the end? Like we found the man who did this crime. Like I just told you I did it. <laughs> no, no. Is this guy? Yeah, he's like some homeless man. <laughs> Yeah, they, and then also like oh, and, and then when they do say like oh yeah, she didn't do it, uh, <laughs> insanity. Yeah, right, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, Pack her up. Yeah, we're we're gonna say that she's just nuts. She's totally nuts. She went nuts after she saw Andre dead. She's nuts. She's gonna need care for the rest of her life in the asylum. Um, yeah, the the film has some funny moments like that where certainly. The time for the era is shining through. Um, so one thing that I did notice that's, um, I, I think on the better scale for this film is the reveal of um, Andre, where he has the uh, fly appendage, um, where he's working in his laboratory and he's wearing uh, like a cloth over his head, like a. Almost like a uh, executioner. <laughs> he just got like a. Then at some point, it looks like he's like a lamp, <laughs> you know, just standing in the corner. With a, I just love the idea that it's not like we don't like see him. Like, oh fuck, I gotta put it back yeah, on. Just, right, just like the idea <laughs> that he's just sitting there, like in silence, like hum. Hope yeah. we find that fly. He's just, just sitting like, there with just... that with his cloth on his head. Just yeah. Um, but there is that moment where uh, he's sitting there, and we see the cloth on his head. You can see his one hand because he's typing on the typewriter, uh, but you don't see the other hand. And then he gets upset when Helene uh, says something and he whips around and he accidentally pulls out his fly hand. And that reveals pretty good, actually. I think that works really well because it's not like um, it's not like super choreographed or anything like that. It just sort of happens. I like You're caught off guard. constantly like, having to hold it like his that his fly hand yeah. down like down. Yeah, sort of like um, Army of Darkness, yeah. like Ash holding his hand down. Yeah, no, it's that's cool. I um, think that reveal is pretty good. Um, it just catches you off guard, especially like you're watching it. You don't really know what's going on for the first time. You're watching it as a I fan will, in the 58. I will say, yeah, no, you're right. Um, as much as I do like the whole backwards storytelling, I will say now that's been close to 70 years from this film coming out, you know, 60, 70 years. Right. Uh, even if you knew nothing about this film and if you're like of a viewing age who is cognizant enough to piece things together you and you know the name The Fly, 
you're going to know right off the bat, like, you know, like, oh, this, like, red herring noir mystery mm-hmm. is going to be nonsense and bullshit. You know? Right, right. Like, yeah, I can see how in the 50s, like, how, like, ooh, you know, intriguing and yeah. so on and so forth and how it develops and being shocking. But right off the bat now, I think now it being so far now down the woods, it's not going to be surprising to anybody, really. Yeah, I, I think you know there is that in the in the fifties. I feel like you know when we're watching it now, we obviously we know the storyline. But in the fifties, it does seem like a little bit they were trying to go for that sort of fake out of this is a murder mystery. Uh, what actually happened? Uh, because they start because it's a lot very much like a murder mystery. But then yeah. there's like slight little quirks throughout the film, like hearing a fly buzzing around yeah. and. All this like scientific stuff, and then you know, it actually brings up an interesting idea that I think would have worked for this movie is to instead of you know, obviously, you have the iconic scene at the end of the film of the white haired fly that they see in the garden, and they they uh find out that it's actually Andre, you know, it's his head on a fly's body. Um, it would have been interesting to just leave the story that um Helene tells as is. And ask the audience to you know question like is she did she really experience all of this fly stuff or did she go crazy and now you know she thinks her husband is a fly well, she can't deal with it I it would be cool but I don't think back then storytelling was sophisticated enough because as yeah. we as we see at the end you have you get your remember kids stay in school stay away from drugs yeah. beat those commies yeah basically you, know. you do get that like sort of PSA that Vincent Price delivers to Philly is that search the for the yeah. truth your father died because he. He was Icarus, flying high, and he wouldn't listen. He got too close to the sun. Find that truth, Philippe, but don't get too close to the sun. And the ending actually kind of goes on a little too long. You know, the film is is a little scared to leave like a, a kind of a bad ending. You know, you don't, it has to wrap everything up in sort of a happy bow. Um, you I, would, do you call that a happy bow? Well, I would fucking, call it. The, the, the Vincent Price and the cops sitting there looking at the help me, help me. And like just watching this no. giant fucking spider start to eat the flesh and, and, and then decide to go crack. Let uh. me smash that giant spider. I don't believe it. That's the fucking hugest spider I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, no. Man, I know you're right. That's not it's like a bird eating spider. <laughs> Um, no, no, it's not a happy ending in that sense. Right. So like, but also the film tends to treat this Andre, the scientist as being like sort of, uh, an, an idiot. Like, he sh- you know, he shouldn't have done that. You know, yes, it's great to push the boundaries, but he shouldn't have gone that far for sure. Um, so in that sense, like it kind of, they they don't really care so much what happens to Andre, but the ending has to wrap up the other stuff. Like, you know what? Helene's going to, and if Helene and Philippe, they're going to live happily ever after. They've got Francois. He's going to come in, you know, he's going to slip his dick in. He already said he's been in love with He's going to take a dip yeah, for, and, uh, you know, they're going to live happily ever after. And he's got tons of money too. Don't worry. They've all got tons of, he already said they've got so much money. They don't know what to do with she's it. She's got so, her family. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So they're going to live great. They're going to have a great, happy life. She's fine now. You know, it's been two days since, uh, you know, Andre was pressed to death. Uh, his blood running all over she the factory floor. She accepted pretty quick that, like, that was a thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't even though he... as that was a thing, even though for and up until, like, the end, he's sitting there writing these long, beautiful diatribs out. I love you. And, like, you know, this is what you need to do, you know? Yeah. Because that's where I think it's weird. Like, I... I don't think, and this is where, like, kind of the logic doesn't make sense. I Like, they're trying to portray, like, Andre 
with the fly hat is still Andre slowly turning it more into, into like a, a fly, right? Whereas yeah. you know the flies also part got like Andre's hat. That don't no, that's yeah. It doesn't yeah. They don't really go into too much depth there, yeah, like because that that means like his consciousness is in two different bodies. Yeah, like, he's he's in the in the Andre so with the gonna, fly head. And yeah, he's so because awesome. if the fly is overriding Andre. So is Andre over going to become a sentient fly? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't they don't really go too far into that. But what I was saying about the the bad ending that it doesn't want to leave is that it doesn't want to leave it could perfectly well leave they could see the fly and still not believe her like cuz they, they you know if they just saw, saw the fly not up close with the white head and they still not believe her and then they come and cart her away and put her in a mental hospital that would be a bad ending that or we could have her getting carted away and then all of a sudden like you see like the fly fly right, into the right. room or something something like that where yeah. you you get like a like ooh like nothing happened, yeah. ended happily there yeah. that would have been a cool ending too but the film is sort of too scared to do that so it doesn't leave off of that bad ending it has to wrap everything up in a bow happily ever after um they're all gonna live you know great lives and and forget about this one thing that happened to their helen develops severe alcoholism after this you know? yeah <laughs> yeah right yeah they they could have potentially done a, a bad ending like that but i just think that they were a little too scared to do that most most audiences in that time would not have taken well to this like misanthropic ending. Oh, well, just imagine them ending with the ants winning. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. Again, yeah, you got really, to get that you got to get that PSA. You got to have that know. in the the nice abrupt ending yeah. too of just like this is you know, don't don't be uh um the curious cat. No. <laughs> so, um that's interesting. I I just I I felt like, you know, there could be a, a Sadder ending here. I do love too. Before she starts to get carted away, the nurse wakes her up and she's like, "I slept well." And then all of a sudden, you see the ambulance and the inspector pull up. Like, you yeah, know. yeah. And she's just like, "Why are you putting on my? Why are you putting on my heavier nightgown or my my heavier?" Yeah, robe? She's like, "I want silk." And she's Don't like, Put, some put on my heavier robe. I'm not going out. Which, by the way, apparently it's winter in Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Don't, what winter are they talking about? And they've got it's, a crack in their window. It's like the sunniest, brightest, greenest. Yeah. Because she says earlier, like when she's like talking to Andre outside, when she's like, you'll catch cold. Not catch a cold, catch cold. Mm. You know, uh, she's like, oh, spring would be here soon. So, yeah, they're not even. So one thing about the film that I did pinpoint, though, is that. Most of the middle portion could be renamed Fly Hunt. Be like the FBI, the Fly Bureau investigators, where they're trying to find the, this fly, this white-haired fly, um, tasking Philippe with going out with his little butterfly net, catching a fly. Uh, Emma good. smacking flies on the wall, Helene flipping out. <laughs> what are you doing killing them? Uh, so there's a lot of that in the middle portion of the film. And the other thing that they do is uh, basically this is uh, another film of reading letters, the movie, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of typewriting letters uh, where Helene has to react to, to typewritten letters. And it gets really annoying because she's, she's pa- she, it's she, like a telegram. Con- she pauses after like, she, yeah, she const- <laughs> she's reading a, t- a typewriter. She's like, uh, Helene, um, I need your help. Andre, Andre <laughs> what's wrong? Fucking read the typewritten letter. He wrote it out for you, Helene. Read on. 
for everybody's sake. Stop. I love you dearly. If you understand, knock three times. Oh, Andre. Yeah. I, I won't be able to speak or understand you, so Why? don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty annoying in the in the middle. It would have been great if like Emma walked down, like, this is shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's also that in the film. So the middle portion does run a little long because of those scenes where it adds. Um, well, not only that, we get like the even though they've been married for quite some time, it's like a whirlwind romance almost. Yeah, like, it does the feel way like the, those, they're like maybe not like it feels like they're just getting together instead of being married uh, because like they're doing these this date and stuff like that. And they have champagne and she's like, "Ooh, you know what? Maybe we can do something else tonight. And it's like and he's like math equations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or as I said, sleep in the same room. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's it's kind of weird. It doesn't feel like they're married, but maybe that was how people were husband and wife in the fifties. They were just like, <laughs> like, do you want to do something together today? <laughs> maybe I don't know. I think I'm gonna. I'm busy doing my own things. <laughs> well, I was like, lo- thinking about smoking my pipe and reading the newspaper, <laughs> then whittling a new checker set. We're catching flies, as Philippe does in his spare time. I caught a nice fly today, mommy. <laughs> That's great, son. He's not going to school. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, you know well, that's a good point. Where yeah. why isn't he at school? Yeah, he, he he's pretty smart when he's sitting there talking to Francois, and he's like, <laughs> "Women, right? Hysterical. Yeah. Why is mommy so hysterical? I know women. <laughs> yeah. Um." Other than that, I mean, I actually don't. I actually don't mind the middle part. I actually like getting to see Andre and you know him talking. Mm. I do sometimes think it goes into the cliche territory of like you know nobler pursuits of science and mm-hmm. you know searching for the truth and right. Um, but that's kind of a staple of fifties sci-fi I, films. I think at that the, time. This, the fly though is kind of interesting because um, it combines a couple things. It combines the radioactive films of the fifties. Which, you know, this obviously doesn't have radioactivity in it, you know, where there's giant Mm. insects or giant uh, animals or anything. But it has that sort of idea to it. But then it also combines sort of like the mad scientist elements of of 50s movies as well. And so it makes it into sort of a a different style of film that, you know, I really enjoy his What's that? You I, really? I like the lab setup yeah. a lot. I think it's really cool. We talked about yeah. that with the the whole board of uh, wires plugged into everything. <laughs> that was great when he's trying to figure out why the hell, like you know, when the plate transmitter is not perfect, and he's sitting there looking at the operating board with like five hundred different you know wires plugged into all wires and all that shit. <laughs> and you you pointed out like that had been the bitch for the production guy yeah. sitting there just. Just plugging everything in. <laughs> um, the other thing, too, is that he stands there looking at it for only a couple seconds. And he's like, mm, yeah, it looks right. Everything looks fine. <laughs> yeah, I already know. I already know what's I plugged into what. I too, as the thing's getting transmitted, the tape recorders in the background. You see, you know, tape machines <laughs> spinning rapidly. Like, what, is that gonna, what, what, what does that have to do with you know, transporting matter? <laughs> One thing that Which I... Which I do love, too. I do love the fact that this idea that... At this point, you're we have the technology to emit different types of wavelengths and rays into space and relay them back, orbit around the Earth, but fucking transmitting matter from one spot to another. 
That's the bridge. That's crazy. The bridge. That's the bridge too <laughs> far. Believe, yeah, I can't you believe know. they've done that. To yeah. be honest with you, that sounds more logical to me than fucking bouncing waves up into the sky, then bouncing them back and getting a signal into a TV to make pictures. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wonder is where did their fucking cat go? When what a terrible name that is. What was the name again? Delano. Del- Delineo. De- DeLorean, Dolores. I can't remember what it is. Delado. I don't. I remember what it was. But the cat. He puts the cat in with a bowl of milk. <laughs> teleports the cat. And the cat. The cat goes nowhere. But you can hear him in the outside space <laughs> meowing. And, and, then, and then for whatever reason, wherever the cat fucking goes, it disappears because it's well, never heard from tra- again. Well, because the atoms. Apparently. Just transmit out into space. How would the atoms but, transmit into space, but well, the cat can meow? That's what I was going to say, too, because that's what bothered me, too. It's like, oh, the ad- it didn't... Which, one, I don't understand how it didn't join... The atoms didn't mingle with the atoms of the saucer. That would have been hilarious you if know, it, they did, like, a special effect of just, like, a cat, cat head on a, <laughs> a saucer. Bowl. Well, yeah, no, but... No, so, like, the atoms got rejected and just thrown in space, so there's no vocal cords, so how's the... Maybe it's like a spiritual thing. Like he's able to hear like, like it's not actually a what, meow echoing. What, he's just hearing what would have been better in like darker would have been like the cat just fucking meowing all the time throughout <laughs> like guy. the laboratory scenes. Just like that's why cat, he, I'm going crazy. Who wants to the fuck That's up. why he burned the lab down. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the cat's just haunting <laughs> the lab. Like it's, it's perpetually hungry. <laughs> for, hungry that's for That's the atoms. other thing that doesn't make sense too is how like how – Separate entities in the chamber getting teleported work. That, yeah, that it just. So if it's the other living be- beings, they join together. But if they're other inanimate objects, they may be fine. But if they're not, then it may. If you, then your atoms won't mingle with those atoms, and you'll be bounced into space. You know, forever floating away. Right, Cronenberg understood that, which is why you know Gold, uh, Jeff Goldblum didn't. Teleport with his clothes on and stuff like that. Like you didn't want to have any, you know, thing mingle with your your human cells. Your yeah, human until you DNA. figure until you figure out the transportation. Right. Yeah. yeah. This one doesn't really explain that. It's just like you know what? I'm going to put a whole champagne bottle and a champagne bucket, bucket and, and, and all the and ice in there, and it's perfect. It perfectly teleports. I just like the idea too. No need for cars or anything. Just. Transport people, and it's like you think about it, this highly scientific thing. You're gonna have Bob the Operator Man just, be, you know, dropped out of school, and like, oh yeah, you know, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a that would be a pretty fun movie of just like uh, when the teleportation becomes a common thing that happens, and you have just all these mistakes that keep happening. You're like, we need to shut this down. <laughs> No, it's but a, it's, a, it's it, point, it, happen, it works like forty percent of the time. It's, it's a, you point you point it out like like it's like the asshole running the roller coaster ride at like you know at the carnival like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this doesn't look safe. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> You're like the guy's getting in the booth and he's like, "I'm not in yet. I'm not yeah, in yet." Yeah, fine. <laughs> Arms fall off. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Yeah, which is I guess why they had to destroy everything at the end. He was like, no, if I don't understand this process as a scientist, then at least with Star Trek, it's like you know for tell uh you know for transporting, it's uh they lock onto your specific signal and that way it transmits your atoms from one you know and then recreate you know from one end to the other mm-hmm. and re- totally recreates them. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so at least there's like, like it's like it's actually like the transports having to lock on to something specific to then reorganize your being. That was his problem. He didn't. He did, that's why he didn't design. Even he didn't though I design a lock on system. I was say even though technically I guess if from the smashing of the atoms and then regenerate them, you're basically being killed. And yeah, you're, cloned. yeah, you're being cloned again. Yeah, <laughs> which that in of itself is a whole philosophical quandary that. Mm. I'd be that old, like, if Ghost in the Shell ever came to be with, like, computers and shit in your head, I'd be that old asshole who's like, yep, nope, nothing. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't want it. Mm. That's how the deep state gets you. <laughs> um, did we pretty much, I think we, I think I kind of touched on everything that I had wanted to say. Did we? Yeah. I think so. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. No, the the like the like, we could talk about the music, but the music's not really um doesn't really come up that much. It does. It's, it's just uh, shit, generic sweltering yeah. like fifties. Like everything. Yeah, I like, didn't. I didn't really ding. notice it in a matter that stood out to me. No, because like I said, it's just you generic. Like oh, you know, um, gone with the wind. Esque, you know, like, right. doo, 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 doo. symphonic. Yeah. yeah, classical score. Um, yeah, and other than that, you know, we, we talked about Vincent Price, um, you know, not, he's not. I will say the, the, uh, the guy that plays Andre is probably the best part of this. He is good. Yeah. He, he's a good, good actor in this. Um, I don't know. He, he doesn't get a lot of time, but he does. I, I feel like he gets a lot. I feel like, like two thirds of the films. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in the timing, but it feels like two thirds of the film is just dedicated to. Andre and, like, uh, and, yeah, and Helen, Philippe, and that. I think what shines about him in his acting ability is that he get he gets a lot of time where he doesn't actually speak. You know, he's just under a sheet, mm-hmm. so he has to work with that and do sort of like uh, acting with physical characteristics rather than speech. Um, and I think he does a pretty good job with that. Um, like you said, like the sort of like the gripping the hand, the the fly hand, and like sort of fighting with that, uh, he does a pretty good job. I do think they did a good job too with the effects. The fly head itself is pretty, pretty cool looking. It's it's yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly good. It has like sort of moving parts to it too, mm-hmm. which is which is good to see in the in the fifties like that. You know, it's and you get sort that of nice intricate. shot too of like the hundred you know fly eyes looking at Helen. You yeah. Know. As she's screaming in terror after he wrote her a note saying, don't lose your nerve. <laughs> yeah. And then they, then they wait a while for that reveal too, the, the head reveal. Mm. They, you know, they, they don't, um, they don't do it too quickly where, you know, you know, the information too and I fast. I do like too, we see like him being able to type out coherent, you know, thoughtful messages into like, you know, blurring thoughts, can't think. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty Kid, good typewriter you know, you know, with one hand. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Like zero mistakes. I do like that, too. Like, the shots of the typewriter, watching him, like, you know, like, close up, watching him, you know, pound away, and you see, like, the, you know. Yeah. Interesting shots, for sure. Very, uh, artful. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, let's give The Fly from 1958 a rating. Um... On a scale of, um, on a scale of zero to ten, 
rolled up newspapers. Yeah, there's quite a bit of those in here. All right. On a scale of zero to ten, rolled up newspapers. Why would you have in Huh? Said, why would you have in mind? I didn't have anything in mind, so. On a scale of zero to ten, rolled up newspapers, what would you give the fly? From 1958? From 1958. Probably give it an eight. I definitely like Cronenberg's fly more. Uh, predisposed to liking that more though yeah i know but i mean i think the body horror aspects Mm -hmm. really you know add a lot more depth to the story Mm -hmm. i think as far as like a 50s like sci-fi film at the time this is probably as deep as you're probably gonna get i think vincent price does an adequate job i really like him it's definitely as you said not his best work because he's i don't think it's just because he's playing the straight man i think it's just because He's not the star of the film. He's mm-hmm. just kind of a side character. Um, I do think the idea is very interesting, very well executed. I do like this like noir style that they take to it and making it a murder mystery for the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing that holds it down is Annoying Child and uh, Hysterical Woman. Mm. I mean, she's not bad, but at the same time, like they have her fucking... <laughs> you know, so yeah, much. The, it be, the it stereotypes becomes, of the. It becomes you know very taxing, mm-hmm. um, but overall, I think it's a very enjoyable film. No wonder why it's a classic. It's you know one of the best things that you're, you are going to see. That being said, though, if you haven't seen this film before, but you've seen Cronenberg's Fly, I think you're going to find Cronenberg's Fly to be better because it's a lot more depth to it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it definitely takes this idea and then goes further with the science behind because it. Because with the science, too, but not only that, Andre is, sci- you know, like a mad scientist, but he's also got, like, noble purposes. Mm-hmm. But they're just your generic, like, 50s-esque, like, trying to better man because we're Americans. Even though they're not saying that, that's definitely what they're going for because we're America. We got advanced science, math. Well, it's Canada. Search for the truth type of thing. Yeah. Whereas with Cronenberg's fly, Jeff Goldblum's doing it because he's an egot, you know, he's got the genius and wants to do it, but he also wants to make money. He's an egotistical prick, you know, and wants to try to show that he's smarter than everybody. And from that, you get Jeff Goldblum's great smarmy being an asshole throughout, you know, mm. the film. Um, I would probably give The Fly from 1958 an eight as well. Um, I think it's a it's a really good movie. Um, sometimes you watch classic movies and you're like, um, you know, you can kind of see the, the, um, interest of the time, but watching them now, they don't really hold your interest as much. Um, the fly, I don't really feel like that's a problem in this movie. The only thing that I think is maybe that uh, certain elements to it go on a bit long. Um, like I think that, um, like the the ending of the film is a little long like what they choose to show like Vincent Price unnecessarily they have to show him going upstairs to get the inspector and things like that so it did take a little bit of time that probably should have just been cut um and edited out but uh other than that I think that the film really holds your attention throughout um partially because of the acting uh also because of the interesting ideas behind it that you know it's pushing science boundaries here uh in science fiction um like I said, it does things a little bit different from in 1958 from uh, other films of the 50s that were set science fiction boundaries, uh, you know, like uh, the radioactive films of the 50s. Um, you know, there's some of that here uh, and there, then there's some of the mad scientist elements that um, I think that pair really well together in this movie. Um, and then, like you said, there's uh, the sort of the um, 
the red herring of maybe this is going to be a murder mystery. If you didn't know this, what this film was about before you went to go see it, um, you, you might be thinking, you know, is this a, you know, one of those classic murder mysteries that Vincent Price would be a part of? Um, and so they, it sort of starts off that way and the way that they reverse it and sort of go into the, this backstory of the film, um, I think works really well. I think they did a good job with that because it, it sets an expectation and then sort of flips it, uh, for the viewer. Um, so they did a good job with that. Um, other than that, you know, it's an engaging film. Um, and I, I think that it, it definitely has a lot of elements to it that stand out and make it a classic, um, from the, the cinematography. They did a pretty good job with that. And also some scenes that just really stand out like that ending scene with the, uh, the spider and, you know, the, the human headed fly. It's sort of, uh, I think the one thing that makes it sort of, um, uncanny is the, the head that they put on the fly. Cause it looks, you know, sort of like almost like he has like cancer, you know, sort of they, they give him that like balded headed yeah. look and stuff like that. That sort of uh, makes it look a little uncanny. So not only is, is it just his head on a fly, but it's also sort of like a sickly head on a fly, which makes it a little bit even more um, spooky. So that's definitely a, a just a standout element of this movie. Man, that's the biggest goddamn spider you'll ever see. That's in right. Park, that's right. Parts of Canada. Yep, that spider. <laughs> It's huge. I love it too. It's like that spider web's attached right to the freaking bench, and everyone's like, <laughs> "Look at that giant spider!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's a fucking big spider because he takes like, it's like a, I don't know, like a, practically a three boulder. foot rock. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> yeah, and just smashes it. So it's a pretty. It's a, like I said. It's like it's like a mongoose sized spider, something like that. So what you need to kill it as a fucking mongoose. Yeah, that's right. You know? Stick the mongoose on it. Um. So yeah, The Fly, 1958. It's pretty uh, really fun. It's su- surprising. It's nice to revisit this movie. So I haven't seen it in like literally 20 years, and uh, I'm glad that it holds up as well as it does uh, on a rewatch. Now I have to watch the sequels, Return of the Fly and Curse of the Fly, because I've never seen those, and I'm curious what they do with those. Um, Good news, everyone. We found Andre's research. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. It'll be different this time. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll have to check those out because I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with those and how they carry it on and also make another guy turn into a fly. <laughs> you know, like he makes the same mistakes, literally the same mistakes. Um, all right. So that's it for our episode on the fly. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next time. Uh, probably be back in two weeks. Um, any ideas on what you want to do? I don't know. We haven't been talking about maybe doing the Noah Baumbach movie Marriage Story that's on Netflix. Are you interested in that? Of course. Uh, I know Sarah just watched it. She liked it. Um, see Adam Driver's great range. I, I constantly see all the time uh, the one scene on my Facebook videos of him and Scar Joe having their big fight. Oh, yeah. And he's talking about how he could have fucked everybody in his 20s, but he didn't. Because he was a scar show. Hmm. Um, I'm interested in it. Um, I think we should do that. We could probably do it next week or ne- in the next episode, two weeks. Um, not really. It's a, it's a little bit different from something that we cover, but I'm I'm interested. We've never done the squid and the whale either. Because uh, well, we haven't had Jeff Daniels month. That's right. The Noah Baumbach movie that uh, really started us on our love of Noah Baumbach. Um, well, it was his first film. Um, he did co- co-write uh, Steve's uh, Life Aquatic with uh, mm-hmm. yep. 
Which is kind of funny, because, like, there's nothing really, like, too much about it that would make you think, like, oh, you know, Noah and Bob Mack, uh, Noah, uh, I can't speak right now. Noah Baumbach, you know, co-wrote that with him because it's still like very Wes Anderson, you know, right? Style and the same thing with the writing style. Mm-hmm. But then again, Noah Baumbach's style is very, you know, much akin to it. So, so yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, just uh, more stylistically, direct, like direction-wise, mm-hmm. is a little different. Um, so yeah, we'll probably do Marriage Story. Um, the other thing you don't want to is- review the Witcher. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole series. All ten hours of it. I think there's only eight episodes. Or is there? I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Um, Neither have I. I have like it's been the first signed up. on for seven seasons already. So what's that? I guess it's been signed up for seven seasons. So oh, Jesus Christ, Henry, this is fucking ridiculous. Henry Cavill, you're not going to have to. That's ridiculous. See him ever as Superman again. <laughs> Signing, getting a show signed up for a specific amount of seasons is just killing a show, honestly, because. Who says? Who knows that you have? Well, they better have it show runned out then for seven seasons. Yeah, you know? that's what I would hope because otherwise, you know, I hate when shows are like, yeah, we're you know we, we're we're expecting you know we're gonna do nine seasons. Um, you know, if let let, let see how it plays out. I think the see only one that can get away, the only way that I think the only person that could get away with it was Vince Gilligan because everything's you know so right. Seems what I, to be but, so, yeah, I mean, as know. long as as long as you have it planned out, where you're like, yep, this is. You know, here's the arc, here's the arc, here's the arc, here's the arc. Six seasons. I'm fine with it. Because I, and, and Vince Gilligan, I trust, knows exactly where he's going with it. You know, with Better Call Saul, you can certainly see that he's got the pivoting areas of everything where it's going. Out, yeah, exactly. You know? it's, it's mapped. Um, whereas I feel like when you have a hit, like that just was a random hit, like The Witcher, they're just like, yeah, we're going to get seven seasons out of it. Let's just, you know, sign it up for seven seasons. Uh, it's, it's, you, I mean, there really, is a lot of stuff with The Witcher they could do. Yeah, there's lore. But, you know, but I mean, at the same time. Yeah. Because I was asking a buddy, like, so what do they, you know, I was asking Matt, you know, I was like, so what do they cover? And he's like, oh, like one of the, one of the episodes is literally the opening to The Witcher 1 game where he's fighting a striga. Mm-hmm. Just, that's the entire epi- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, episode. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I mean, you know, yeah, there's a lot for them to cover, but at the same time. Yeah, I, I I am um when they say stuff like that, seven seasons for this show that just happened to be a hit one uh, for the season, I, I get a little concerned, you know, that they you know haven't planned out and they're just like, This is a moneymaker. You know, this take is Take the Larry David approach. Take five seasons, you know, five years in between like your yeah. se- you know, seasons. Yeah. I, I much rather have it just be organic, like uh, this is where we're going and then, you know, we're gonna end it where we think it should end. Yeah. Um that's like I say. That's because like you think about Curb gets uh, ten seasons debuts. I think this week mm-hmm. it's been on air for twenty years now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. So, you know, Larry David's like time with it. He's got I'll ideas. Do, he's, he's just like I'm doing what I feel like doing. Like, you know, yeah, this. You know what? He's like, you know what? Now I'm pissed off at iPhone 12, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna do an episode on that one. So you know, it takes him a while to figure out what he's pissed off at. <laughs> do episodes about it, but yeah, so. Um, I still have The Witcher to watch. Um, I still have like uh, El Camino to watch too. So I haven't, you know, I'm I'm a little behind on stuff like that. Uh, but um, well, also I mean, the other thing that's out uh, that just came out, which um, sounds interesting, is a new Dracula show on Netflix oh. uh, by the makers of Sherlock. Uh, so it's a three episode, hour the, and a half each episode, um, you know, sort of mini series. Is that the Castlevania uh, anime? Uh, no, that's coming back for season three though too. Which that was like the dumbest thing too. I haven't seen it yet. I I don't know if it's good or not. But four episodes, like twenty minute long episodes, that was like your first season. Yeah, 
I know. That's I watched the first season. I haven't watched the second season. Um, like that's like, yeah. come on, it's not 1985 anymore. You're pumping out like an OVA. Like, I don't. I, you know. I don't. I don't know why they did that. Uh, the four, yeah, four episode thing like that. That was weird. <clears throat> um. All right. So yeah. So we'll do, do marriage story in two weeks. Um. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Um. You know, we've got ideas. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, before you know it, we'll be doing another Leprechaun film. Honestly, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was like, that's coming up pretty soon, isn't it? Um, what are we, Leprechauns? No, we did Leprechaun Space, so we're going we're to the on, hood. We're in the hood. <laughs> I have seen Leprechaun in the hood, and it's it's not good. It's not good. I just love the fact that he goes to space before he goes to the hood. Because when you think about when a series is bankrupt on ideas... Take the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. we're. This is gonna. This is gonna be a fun one for sure. Leprechaun in the hood. Um. All right. So, like I said, marriage story next, and then uh, next episode, two weeks. Um. Other than that, thanks for listening. Um. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Uh, pretty much any podcasting app that you use, we're on it. So subscribe to us. Leave us a nice review. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Also have a Twitter at blood and black rum. Um, we have an email at blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. You can write to us. Let us know what you think of the show. If you want us to change anything, um, have any recommendations for films to cover. And then we also have a Patreon page where you can donate to us. It's patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Uh, if you want to help support the show, you can donate as much or as little as you want. Uh, anything that you can do helps us out. We really appreciate it. We're probably going to upgrade some equipment here, uh, in the near future. I think I'm going to get a new microphone, um, at some point. Also, we're going to get, uh, swivelly mic stands so that should be fun as well we'll have fun with that we might not hear any more of this like the table hitting that we do sometimes when we set our beers down or anything like that uh so we're gonna do some upgrading hopefully in the near future makes the episode better i also got a green screen so maybe we'll do some live shows (laughs) with with fucking backgrounds behind us maybe we'll do like you know like a nice snowy cabin one time and we'll do uh you know we're at the grand canyon one time we'll do all that shit do a live live podcast episode for our 200th episode. We'll see. 200th episode <laughs> is in, in a while. So we have a little bit of time to deal with that. All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks, uh, most likely with Marriage Story. Sorry for the delay on this episode, but we hope you enjoyed our episode on the fly. So thanks a lot. Take care.